Innovation is the name of the game when it comes to making dramatic improvements in our education system that's often too calcified and resistant to new ideas. People now realize it's a $2 trillion global category that, um, that is being rapidly uh, disrupted and transformed by the application of effective technologies. So the ASU GSC Summit, I think we're particularly proud of the fact that um, you, you have philanthropists and social entrepreneurs and commercial entrepreneurs and large strategics like Google and Microsoft and IBM and Workday in the same orb with people on the philanthropic side, with educators in the K-12 system. We have a, a full strand of early childhood uh, program this year for the first time. Um, we have uh, a full strand of higher education conversations and then, of course, a full strand of, of workforce conversations. So I think that what we do particularly well is try to, uh, say, mash up um, uh, groups that don't always sit in the same room together and, and do need to sit in the same room together. Welcome to Reality Check, a weekly podcast about anything and everything having to do with education. I'm Jeannie Allen, founder and CEO of the Center for Education Reform. We chose the name Reality Check because a lot of what you read about education these days is often wrong or misleading. If you want to know what's really going on in American education, from K through career, you're going to need a reality check. Our guest today is a true innovator. Her name is Deborah Quazzo, and she's the managing partner of Global Silicon Valley, GSV Accelerate. GSV Accelerate's a venture capital fund investing in cutting-edge entrepreneurs in their companies, and their portfolio includes so many amazing learning and talent technology companies like Andela, Clever, Class Dojo, some of you out there I'm sure have used and heard of, Course Hero, Degreed, among others. Previously, Deborah co-founded GSV Advisors, an advisory firm focused on learning and human capital technology companies. She's also founder and managing partner of the annual ASU GSV Summit, which is in its 10th year and starts just next week. The ASU GSV Summit celebrates innovations and innovators across the globe from pre-K to gray. It's truly one of my favorite events of all time. And it is happening April 8th through 10th in San Diego, California, and you can be watching it live. We will provide that information towards the end of the show so you can follow along. And I'm delighted to be joining them again for my 10th year. Uh, Deborah's a good friend. She's also one of the most intelligent women leaders out there and very fond of uh, and supportive of other women leaders and entrepreneurs. Deborah graduated cum laude with a BA in history from Princeton and MBA from Harvard Business School. Wow. I'm delighted you're here, Deborah, and I'm dying to talk to you about all the stuff you're doing. Welcome. Thanks, Jeannie. Thank you. So, Thanks for all you do. Oh, thank you. You know, something that I would love to just start with before we jump into a lot of your other experiences and the boards you sit on and kind of your vantage point of uh, the learning and knowledge sectors today, how did you get into this field? Um, you know, I was a, a longtime investment banker, and um, I had uh, – uh, began to work with my partner, Michael Moe, um, 21-plus years ago at this point, um, and was at Merrill Lynch, recruited Michael from Montgomery Securities, where he was a head of growth strategy and research. And what his mandate 
in that role at Montgomery and actually prior to that, Lehman Brothers and then at Merrill Lynch, was to identify themes in the growth economy that were emerging and build businesses around those emerging trends and themes. And education was a core um, theme that he identified along with many others. But but um, when he joined Merrill Lynch, um, uh, I we pursued the education sector. Um, I was on the investment banking side. Michael was on the research side, but um, amongst other growth areas. But I became really intrigued with it was you know it was very early on at that point in the sort of ninety nine two thousand period. But you know became very intrigued with um, the things that could happen uh, with the application of technology to the delivery of learning um, and to. to both transform the learning sector, the K-12 and higher education, but also to um, transform the workforce sector in terms of not only learning, but also um, human performance improvements and, and human um, and tracking, et cetera. So um, it, that was, it was really, it came out of that. Um, I got really interested in, in, the, in that, what we like to call the pre-K to gray arc of learning and talent, and particularly learning and talent innovation. And um, uh specifically in technology-driven innovation. And so um, over time, I increasingly concentrated on um, just that uh, that sector. So my life my got narrower and narrower. But, um, but yeah, I, I got pretty intrigued with the, the levers that, that, um, that entrepreneurs and innovators had in um, applying technology into this, uh, this, these, this large category of educational workforce and what it could actually do to improve outcomes for people. And um, so that was, that was kind of the genesis. And, and uh, uh, you know, the further along we got, the more bells and whistles that were added, including the ASU GSD Summit starting 10 years ago and, um, and, other, and, the, and the fund, which we started um, in 2016. So um, we just continue to try to um, amplify our work here, both commercially and, and um, you know, philanthropically and socially. Um, you know, over over time to to try to drive bigger impact. Well, and and clearly it's happening. And you say narrower, uh, so you're focused, but not really, because if you look at the board you're on, and and some of the companies you have, because you've highlighted them, have accelerated um, and sort of just shot out of the roof. I mean, I think about how you have helped profile, even though. It was already a fantastically, and, and it's a successful company. You know, a dream box with Jelly Jesse Willie Wilson. I think about, you know, you're on the board of ETS and have been and Degreed and um, Common Ground Foundation, Harvey Mudd, and and so in a way, what I think is really interesting, until I got to know kind of your work, is there's a whole world of educators and policy people out there that don't seem to know necessarily, and when they do come into your fold and the event, they see this, that you're looking out constantly for these great new technologies and ideas and innovations to help transform teaching and learning. That's how they end up in front of our students. How did they make um, it to you? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that um, it, it's interesting. I mean, a couple points. One is... Um, one of the, I think, bigger things that's changed, particularly as you think about the investment side of education and work and talent technology, is that I think the the overall market is increasingly recognizing that it's a that it's a it's not a niche. Um, you know, it's certainly sector specific, but it's not a niche. 
Um, I think that it was it was for a very long time viewed as a very small niche, and I think that was due to some fundamental issues around scaling in uh, particularly the education side, as opposed to the workforce tech side. But um, some of which have been have gotten gotten over, and I think people now realize it's a two trillion dollar global category that um, that is being rapidly uh, disrupted and transformed by the application of effective technologies. The other point that you um, that you bring out is I think what. What we do well is um, whether we're doing the investing or whether we're just whether we're supporting the ecosystem through the summit or other stuff um, is that we I think what we've been uniquely good at is is sort of bringing together um, disparate groups of people who don't typically end up in a room together so um, or hadn't historically mm-hmm. so the ASU GSC summit I think we're particularly proud of the fact that um, that is that, that you you have philanthropists and social entrepreneurs and commercial entrepreneurs and large strategics like Google and Microsoft and IBM and Workday um, at, in the same orb with um, with people do you know people on the philanthropic side with educators in the k-12 system we have a, a full strand of early childhood uh, program this year for the first time um, we have uh, a full strand of higher education conversations and then of course the full strand of, of workforce conversations so I think that what we do um, particularly well is try to uh, say mash up um, uh, groups that don't always sit in the same room together and, and do need to sit in the same room together. So entrepreneurs sitting with um, educators or workforce leaders to make sure that their product market fit actually um, aligns because uh, otherwise they're never going to get their product off the ground. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's um, that's been sort of one of the more fun parts about the ASU GSP Summit growing and um, is that we've been able to co- cultivate uh, every year we add new voices. Um, in addition to early childhood this year, we're actually inspired by a, a, a dear a dear friend and colleague of mine, Anna Rima Bargava, um, who said, geez, you know, you really don't have any conversation around the very large, very important and growing um, Latinx community um, as well as, and, and differently, the English language learner community, which obviously includes Latinx, but also um, includes other other populations, and is a big, important um, address, cohort that needs to be addressed and is being addressed by digital by, by digital um, technologies. Um, so anyway, so, that, so that's another group yeah. that we that another thing we've cultivated for the program this year, um, and uh, so every year we're, we're kind of excited to add um, another voice in, in, or voices into the mix. Well, it's interesting about the English language learning because I feel like uh, every day I run into someone or someone reaches out to me who is uh, a start ed tech startup entrepreneur dealing with languages, and when I say to them, what makes this different from X, and I'm sure you use that thousand times more than I do in your experience, they always point out how large that market is and how tailored it has to be to the needs of the individual, depending on their level in in life, depending on where they are, depending on their language, depending on their goals. So uh, that really is um, a, a fantastic addition, it seems like. The other thing I was thinking about, Deborah, as you're talking is when I look back at the summit, and I wonder if you can help kind of listeners a reality check, um, understand why we why you bring in like a Reed Hastings, who's the founder of Netflix, with a Howard Schultz Starbucks, of course, and now 
uh, a growing politician, a John Legend, a Richard Branson. Um, why them in this ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, I think the um, and actually this year we'll have the CEO of Starbucks um, is is um, speaking to keynote launch on Monday with with Michael Crow. Oh, great! From ASU, um, the uh, uh, we have well, I mean, I guess you know a couple of things. I think that for the most part, and the wonderful thing about um, the issues of education and the workforce is that there's really almost no one who doesn't have a fundamental interest in it um, and uh, you know, at, at a high level. And then many, many people have spent their um, philanthropic or, or social um, energies and resources uh, addressing issues within this within this pre-K to grade learning and workforce sector. So um, the we, we we think it's really important to have people at the summit who are not, you know, sort of not expected to be there, um, but they always have to have a thread that leads back to a fundamental, you know, a fun, uh, something in their core that they care, you know, care deeply about the outcomes here. Um, Reed Hastings has been deeply involved in the education transformation movement in California going way back. Um, we had Reed. Uh, he actually was at, um, I think, our first summit. Mm-hmm. He's spoken a number of times. Uh, when he came, when he came to the first summit, he was obviously Netflix was not what Netflix is today. Um, so we're really thrilled to have him back and just appreciate um, his his being there because he doesn't he doesn't do a lot of this um, stuff. Uh, he was a, a core investor in Dreambox and in, in honor of um, Dreambox's acquisition and uh, the sort of 10 year anniversary of the Dreambox investment that he made. Um, that he's he's back, which we're, we're very excited about his keynote on Monday. Um, Howard Schultz, another great example, uh, made his first investment actually in the education space in Capella, um, which was a transaction actually GSV was involved in. And um, the and Howard has since gone on to you know to partner. He really drove the partnership between Starbucks and um, Arizona State University and providing um, college completion as a core employee benefit to Starbucks um, baristas. Uh, and that's now been carried on by um, by the continuing management at Starbucks and actually has been expanded that program. And so um, that was, you know Howard was just a fantastic person. And and really any CEO today is going to be caring very deeply about workforce issues. We're oh, really course. excited to have Brad Smith, who is the executive chairman, recently retired as CEO from Intuit, one of the most revered CEOs on the planet. Um, and uh, you know crazy crazy uh, high ratings for employees. So he'll be on a panel at the keynote stage on Tuesday. Um, yeah, so we think the interesting about this topic is um, it's not just a topic, it's many topics. And, and, it, and, the, and the, there's a fairly universal um, interest in, in, in what we like to call bending the arc of human potential is sort of our overarching um, well, what I, mantra. And what I yeah. love about this, and I was uh, wringing my hands on, uh, on the weekend to lots of people uh, that we just did a blast about just the outrageous attention in the media, regardless of where you stand on the Mueller report. And I was pointing out that we actually probably should spend as much time and money talking and thinking about precisely this arc of human potential, because all the problems we're talking about, all the issues we're concerned about, um, go back to our students, our kids, our adults, 
not only lacking a fundamental education, but actually having that pathway to the future you guys talk about and being able to participate in that future at a much higher level in our democracy um, and a much broader way. And imagine if all of these amazing things that are happening were known by as many people as you know we've just seen in 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 the political sphere in the last few days. I think about the the Starbucks ASU effort. Um, I think about what Purdue is doing. Purdue Global. We're going to have Mitch Daniels on soon. You know, m- you say this to your average person, and they've never heard of it. And yeah. so clearly, yeah. we have work to do. What do we do to expand the knowledge base of these programs? And also, I probably should have you just give a quick overview of that Starbucks ASU thing, because you guys really were formative in bringing the partners together. Uh, not really. So I I wouldn't want to take credit where we do, we're not due. Um, I think the ASU began their online program, you know, right around when we when we began working with them on the summit a decade ago. And um, one of the reasons President Crow was was uh, receptive to this partnership that's really been so fruitful and um, so long lasting is um, is that he saw an ability to to, to align. We were we were well known for our technology um, expertise and our alignment with innovation, technology driven innovation. And ASU was really at the at the front end of. Um, developing that same expertise and, um, and a reputation for that for technology-driven innovation. It had really only when we when we started, they had four technology partners, and today they have well over, you know, probably over 200 at this point. But um, so that was the genesis of the partnership. The um, the uh, and, and the and the online program programs, which now serve tens of thousands of students all over the world, um, at ASU, from ASU, uh, were really had, you know were they were at zero. And so it was exciting to watch. The, the Starbucks partnership really, um, really was one that that started between President Crow and um, and Howard Schultz in conversations around around um, using college completion as an employee benefit. Obviously, Howard had been uh, at the front end of innovation of creating you know healthcare for for baristas and and things that um, other corporations did not routinely do for hourly workers or you know um, non non full time workers. So. So it was, a, it was actually a natural alignment, but um, I'd, I'd love to be able to claim credit for it. We really didn't, um, didn't, didn't. We're not, we're not involved in that. It was really President Crow and Howard, but, but it's, but it's become a, an incredibly important program. Um, Uber has now done the same thing, uh, and um, ASU announced uh, last week. I think the information was leaked uh, that they have, they have taken in outside capital into their on, ASU online. Business and they're um, they're looking to grow um, to grow that business substantially and bring on lots more corporate partners. More corporate partners, which is cool. such a difference from ten years ago, right? I mean, these were things were just beginning, as you said. It seems like so much has happened in the past ten years, where there is this complete appreciation, much more focus on, as Strata would say, and I know you're also an advisor there, completion with a purpose and having these mega popular businesses like a Starbucks and Uber, whatever, partnering, juxtapose that, if you will, Deborah, to the sort of college bribe gate, right? I mean, doesn't that just seem bizarre in light of the fact that we are democratizing education everywhere else and then there's still this group of people who are like so concerned about bribing their way into colleges? What, what, how did you feel about that, especially since you're a Princeton grad? I mean, tell me, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about your reaction 
And since you know so much about what's happening to um, actually equalize education in nearly as effective schools across the country. Yeah, well, I think the, I mean, it was the, the scandal, which is clearly not finished playing its way out, is, um, is uh, yeah, disheartening, discouraging, disgusting, whatever whatever word you want to use. It's um, uh, because certainly uh, the message it sends to low-income kids is that you know, you know, for anyone who who doubted that the system was rigged, um, you know, the, the gig is up. The system's rigged, and um, and that's just a deeply unfortunate message for. It, for anyone, forget low income, low income, high income, middle income, mm-hmm. for all people to get that kind of a message is really just the corrupt the corruptibility of, of um, humans in such a sacred area uh, where I think all of us you know, sort of trust um, you know trust this you know, sort of meritocratic meritorious process um, and I, so anyway so I think that that was that was uh, remarkable um, and I said it's not fully played out but I think the um, and, I, and I do think the other, um, you know, the other thread here is just around, um, and you'll see a lot of it at the ISUGC summit this year, and you actually said it, completion with a purpose. But I think this whole um, orientation towards, towards purpose-filled lives and meaning and, and social-emotional learning and mental health, and we think that's winding its way into um, – the education and workforce discussion in a very important way. And uh, we actually have, heartbreakingly, we have a group of um, four Parkland, you know, Stoneman Douglas students coming to this but this year with one of their teachers. And obviously the, the news this weekend that a second um, second student mm-hmm. uh, had, had, had killed themselves, um, uh, you know, having not recovered from the shootings there. Um, it just sort of underscores the the, uh, the the need to focus on on um, sort of these issues of purpose and mental health and wellness and certainly um, people who think that the way you get ahead is through cheating um, certainly lack a lack a sense of purpose on on so many fundamental levels but um, so I do think that also becomes an increasingly important uh, emphasis of both um, transformative work being done in education but also in the workforce where I think there's a um, and Gallup and others have shown just disengagement at the workforce level um that's that's really that that needs to be remedied so that people can have a have a life of purpose and that you'll see that we try we're trying hard to focus on that theme as well i think that's great because uh, you know the, the the piece of this that is so infuriating is the pressure that so many people feel to do college career whatever in a particular way when there are a multitude of pathways that exist and many more that could exist. You know, there are changes in policy on the horizon, whether it's federal rulemaking at the department or through Congress to open up pathways even more. But the notion that there is one path that's a one college, when I think higher education is essential, but there might be lots of different ways to do it and lots of different pathways to the workforce and yet these kids feel such pressure. And on top of that educational pressure, as you said, there's this social-emotional challenges given all that's going on around them, whether it be a tragedy like Parkland or just their own tragedy in their homes or communities that yep. oftentimes we don't even know about. Yeah, well, I think it's a whole, whole child, whole adult is uh, sort of, I think, a theme that, that, that 
should needs to be played out and is, I think, increasingly being played out. So if I could take you just for a second to from sort of the innovation and the entrepreneurial push for ideas and products and uh, practices to evolve, you were also, that's sort of macro, you were also at the micro level overseeing, helping to oversee a major city school system for, for a point in time. Uh, my listeners will be interested to know that Deborah had been appointed to the Chicago Public School Board for a time. And, um, you know, that is still a pretty rough school system. Tell me about your, um, what, what was your most interesting takeaway from that? Well, actually, actually, it's, re- I mean, it's really not. Um, I mean, the Financial Times, I mean, I had a, <laughs> a rough few years, but, but the Financial Times just did a pretty wonderful piece um, on the, 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 not only the, the K-12 system, CPS, but also the community college system and what, um, what amazing work is being done to integrate the two systems. It, you know, it's really, um, Chicago is, is the most improved uh, school system in the country at this point. Um, we just had a steady march of, of in, improvements and um, in graduation rates and college completion rates and, and, um, and growth, et cetera. We're not without our problems, but I think there's been, um, for sure, uh, as, as any urban school system with events sort of 85% plus um, students on free and reduced lunch. But I think the, the work that's been done, uh, you know, away from the political system, um, you know, has been, is, is really extraordinary. I mean, we, we, lived through in my tenure on the school board, the, the superintendent, you know, is now, I believe, in jail um, for, for taking a bribe. Um, we've had an incredibly talented superintendent in the system, Janet Jackson, here for the last few years, who replaced the, the previous um, per, uh, uh, person. Well, at least you got him out of there, right. And, um, and has done a great job. So actually, uh, the, the as political place as Chicago and Illinois is broadly, um, I think the Chicago public school system, um, one, I think the mayor, uh, Emanuel, has done a, a fantastic job in, in bringing the right leadership to bear on the system. I think he follows others. I think they're also here uniquely some really important guardrails. Um, including uh, something called the Chicago Public Education Fund and the University of Chicago's Urban Education Alliance, um, had done incredible work supporting the district despite turnover of superintendents or despite um, other issues uh, that, that the district has had. The, those guardrails have really always been a place to keep, keep moving forward, and, and um, principal quality has risen precipitously, mm-hmm. um, you know, Etc. So, and and the, and the results are being seen. I mean, it's it's. We'll have at ASU GSB. We actually have um, the the co principals from the highest highest rated school in all in the entire system. It's actually a KIPP charter school. That's great. Um, and they will they will be in three years. Um, the school's only three years old. Has 100 percent free and reduced lunch students. And in only three years, they were able to establish the highest. Um, SQRP, which is the, the rating system in Chicago, um, of any school in the system, which is pretty fabulous. Yeah, it's pretty fabulous. Um, and, a, and a story of, of 
two very innovative leaders bringing um, bringing the community to bear and engaging the community very much in the school. Um, so it it is um, it's a it's a great story. So uh, they they will be there. Um, That's great. Well, you know, and, and you mentioned Mayor so. Emanuel. I mean, you know, he's an example of somebody who embraced education reform, which is unusual for a big city Democrat, although not unusual for um, for reform-minded Democrats, and there are a bunch out there. And he was challenged, right? I mean, you have a pretty strong teachers union. There's lots of resistance through that, just inertia, people in the district. So kudos for making progress. And I think that's a story that, you know, we need to make sure Bill Bennett hears because he did kind of launch the, this is the worst city school system in the country in 1987. So he'll be pleased. But what do you what do you say to the innovators, the entrepreneurs, the budding mayors out there? What do they have to do to resist the resistance, if you will, to make sure that the kinds of stuff that you expose people, you invest in, that you are broadly pushing across the globe, get into our classrooms? So how how do they how can they move forward knowing that there's all these this wind? in the wrong place at their back? Well, I mean, I, I just, I think it's hard to, I mean, I think you, you know, I think it, it's a matter of um, keeping your head down and keeping, you know, stay focused on the point. And the point is students and children. Um, and if your product is efficacious or your innovation, whether it's a product or a service or whatever, for-profit or not-for-profit, um, works, works, then, um, then, then, you know, keep, keep pushing it because, um, things that work are actually adopted, and I think we're increasingly seeing that. But um, you know, with the advent of technology, where you can actually hold companies and organizations accountable for whether uh, they're actually delivering improved results, um, you know, that that has made every those kinds of things far more transparent than they were five or ten years ago. So it becomes increasingly obvious what you um, what what you can can purchase and it's um, to uh, or adopt to um, to make the outcomes for your students and, and, and children in schools better um, and I you know I think it's it's uh, I think it's it's as I said I think it's keep your head down and um, I, I don't I don't like the word reform. You know that I've never mm-hmm. liked it. It right. feels very pejorative to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's uh, it's about how do we you know transform the opportunities for everybody, right. um, and um, and uh, um, it, it's uh, uh, yeah. I think it's I think if in today's world, I think things that that are things that work in terms of delivering what we like to call return on education, um, real efficacy, uh, things that are working are actually being being adopted and used and um and i think and it's and certainly the advent of technology and everything else has helped in that you're able to measure things in ways that you couldn't measure things before and make it far more transparent than you could in 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 previous periods when it was very opaque and that's progress indeed and such a great note to end on my guest today has been deborah quazo the managing partner of global silicon valley gsv accelerate uh, she is launching the 10th anniversary with her partner michael mo of the asu gsv summit and you can follow that starting on april 8th at asugsvsummit.com as well as on twitter deborah is on twitter as well at deborah at deborah quazo um deborah i can't tell you how much I appreciate you're not only spending time with me, but also being the leader for so many of us who want to see these great results, this great transparency, and above all, also um, a great role model for women. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Jeannie. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to this edition of Reality Check. You can subscribe to Reality Check at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in and never miss an episode. Visit us online at edreform.com and follow CER on Twitter at edreform and me, Jeannie Allen. I look forward to exploring the world of education with you and another prominent guest next time. See you then.